From Luminary, this is Karamo, a podcast. Hey friends, welcome to Karamo. I am your host, Karamo. And on this episode, we are talking about mental health, particularly at work, where we feel the most stress and anxiety throughout our days. Though mental health is such a big part of how we all are able to perform at work, most companies do not require insurers to offer mental health benefits. So my question is, should companies be required to help employees with mental health issues? We all have different feelings on this topic, and so today I'm going to be talking to Emily, who contacted me on social media because she has mental health challenges, yet her job won't support her and she needs some advice. Also, I'm going to be talking to actor Nicholas Pinnock, who's going to really open up about his mental health journey and how he feels about companies not providing mental health services. And as always, we will be hearing from some of you who called in to share your feelings on this topic, because everyone's feelings on my show are always welcome. So without further ado, let's start talking and growing, friends. Hey, friends! Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Before we begin, I want to issue a trigger warning. There will be some experiences discussed during this interview where individuals are talking about their mental health challenges and the personal actions that manifested from those challenges. Some of the things shared may be triggering for some. So if you feel like this may trigger you, please go on and listen to another episode. But if you feel like this is something you want to hear, get ready to learn and grow. Well, thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. When is it that you first identified your mental health issues? So probably around sixth grade, I can remember just like when I started noticing how I was comparing myself to pretty much like anyone in my grade um, and all the girls looked skinnier than me and like prettier and had boyfriends and I was just like I felt like this odd person out and my brother had like an amazing group of friends so I looked at him and I'm like why is my life not like his mm. like we come from the same household like how is this happening yeah. and so that was like definitely when it started. Yeah we live in a culture where comparison is something that is encouraged in middle school high school as people are being socialized. They're told, like, look at what everyone else is doing. And if you're not doing that, could there be something wrong? And it's only amplified by social media. So you were having the comparison, but it was causing anxiety. And what else? Yeah. So I remember, like, just I would, wouldn't really get invited to parties, but I had, like, close friends who were in, like, a very popular group. And they'd be like, oh, no, she should just come. You should come. And then I would go and I would be like, I don't belong here. Like, I kind of would blow things out of proportion in my head, I think. And then I would be in situations that 
maybe like people didn't mind if I was there, but I was like, nobody wants me here. And I would just like have these really anxious thoughts. And if I said something wrong or did something wrong, it would stick with me for like weeks. Mm -hmm. And it was just kind of like a snowball effect of like anxiety starting from when I was like 12 and just like kept building. Yeah, makes sense. And was there anyone in your family that you could express this with? So this is when I realized that my family is very closed off emotionally. I remember trying to like vocalize it. And so I would just kind of lash out at my mom when I would try to tell her and she like wouldn't really understand. Mm -hmm. My dad, there's no emotions whatsoever. So if I said anything, he said I was being dramatic. And my brother and I didn't really become like friends until after we both went to college. Yeah. So you weren't getting support there at home because they were emotionally closed off. Yeah. And so as you continue through middle school and high school, what continued on? So I got to the point where the mental health issues like kind of just all like crashed on me to the point where like I couldn't get out of bed. I'd maybe get up and then go back to sleep and I would say that I was sick. I would stay home and I would sleep for like 24 to 48 hours like I wouldn't leave my room. In my head, I was like, it's a combination of what's going on at school, what's going on at home. Like I just don't feel supported anywhere. And I ended up having a huge mental breakdown going into my senior year of high school. And so my parents actually helped me send myself away to a boarding school. So I packed up my stuff like a week before school started and I moved to Connecticut and I went to boarding school for a year. Problems followed me there. Surprise, yeah. they were right there when I got off the train. It was so rude of them. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so rude. So, so offensive. <laughs> How dare my emotional problems travel with me? Right. Yeah. And that's when I first started seeing a therapist at that school because okay. I was like, I have no idea what to do now. Yeah. And so I guess the therapist is the one who diagnosed you. Yeah. And how did it make you feel hearing that there was actually something actually going on in your brain and this wasn't you being dramatic? It's something that I struggle with because it's not a diagnosis you can see. Like if I could be like, I have depression, people are like, okay, yeah, prove it. Or like it's not something that you can look at me and be like, I can tell that that's what she has. Yeah. So it was something that I really struggled with because I didn't want to be that like outsider. Yeah. Do you know where those feelings came from? Definitely, I would say I've internalized them from like my parents and my grandparents growing up. Yeah. Just because anytime I was like really upset, my parents or my grandparents would be like, oh my God, stop it. Yeah. And so at that point, I was like, I'm just going to tone everything down a little bit. Yeah. Because I don't want to like keep getting in trouble for doing whatever it is I'm doing. Yeah. So you said you were in your job and you were in the back room having a moment, and your boss walked in and said they would dock you. Talk to me about what you were feeling in that moment. So something had happened like right before I went into work and I knew that I was like not feeling well. And a lot of things will trigger panic attacks with me and I didn't have like my medication with me so I couldn't tone it down. And so I asked the person who was leading the floor for the day, I was like, can I take five minutes in the back? And he was like, yep, that's fine. I'm in the back and I'm hyperventilating and like end up crying and the manager comes back and was like, what is this, what's going on? And I couldn't even like calm myself down. And that's when he was like, just you're not ready for a shift and I I don't know what you want us to do. And at that point I was like, you don't need me as a person. I'm very disposable to you at this moment. Yeah. And so he was like, I need you to get it together in the next five minutes. Can Mm -hmm. you do that? And I'm like, I guess so. And so I walk out onto the floor and like five minutes later and he talks to me like nothing happened. And it's just like the manager's super nice, but also it brought back a lot for me that I'm like, has everyone who's been, like, really nice to me been fake and not really cared about what's going on? Yeah. I was just, like, thrown for a loop completely. Mm-hmm. So you said you're afraid that you'll be seen as a liability. Yeah. I want to talk about that a little bit. Can you walk me through what that looks like to you of people thinking you are a liability? Yeah. Say that I 
disclose it at this job, I'd be afraid that everyone was walking on eggshells around me all the time Mm -hmm. and that nobody could joke around with me or do anything and I would just be like someone who's there to do their job and go home. And then I wouldn't be able to like have a connection with anybody I work with because they'd be like, I need you to know you can't talk to Emily because something might happen. And I feel like that would just like ostracize me more, Mm -hmm. especially because people who don't deal with mental health issues don't know how to talk about it and deal with it for the most part because they're like, what am I supposed to say? So the fear is not just being labeled a liability, but it's also the fear of now I'm going to be isolated even more. Yeah. So I'm going to be lonely. In a job setting, are you scared that the people hiring you are going to compare you to other people and somehow you will be seen as less than? So I'm more afraid that they'll just think we can find someone who has the same qualifications and doesn't have this, which I know is discriminatory, but they could say like, oh, no, we found someone better for the job. That's comparison. Oh, yeah. So then, yes. (laughs) So then exactly that. That, That's I'm afraid that they won't take me on because they'll figure out a way to like not have to. Go for someone else. Yeah. 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 You know, for me, when I heard about what you're going through and also even talking to you now and understanding the journey you've been through, I think that until the culture of corporate America changes where mental health is a priority, there has to be things that we all can do to make sure that we are protecting ourselves and that we don't have to walk around in a fear cloud that they're going to feel like I can't deal with you and go move on to the next person because that's not a fair position for you to be in when this is something that you're actively working on and is a real thing. It's invisible to the rest of the world, but it is real. The first tip that I would give you is really identifying someone in the company now that you've been in it for a couple of years that you feel is someone who would understand and that has some power to use their voice to influence the culture. Clearly in the scenario you gave me, the manager would not be the person. Oh no. And you yeah. And usually the manager should be the person. But the beauty about the corporate structure is that there's someone above the manager. Yeah. And sometimes it's as simple as just an email to say, hey, I know you've given me this reference about an online situation, but is there someone I can talk to that if I do have a situation, I can let them know so that way They're aware of what's going on as I'm also taking this opportunity you're giving me. So once you find that person, establish some type of protocol of what you can do in the moment. Because I think for people who don't understand mental illness or anxiety or depression or any of that stuff, they don't have the education. And I think establishing some type of process where you can say, if I'm crying and if I'm having some type of mental issue, What can we do, step one, two, three, and four, so that way you know what's going on and you can say, oh, we're still in step one. So that way you're both communicating the same thing. Because when it comes to emotional language, people don't speak the same language all the time. And that's where the confusion comes in because you then end up saying, I'm going through something, why in the world are you docking me in your mind? And in their mind, they're thinking, you just said you need a five minutes, so get back to work. But if you establish some emotional process that you all can go on together. Now everyone's communicating on the same wavelength. And even talking to your therapist about, hey, I'm trying to establish this sort of protocol of what to do. They can give you tools as well. So that way you have that and you can establish that. Sounds good? Yeah, sounds good. I appreciate your openness because I do think that people who are suffering from mental illness We need to figure out new ways of supporting them in corporate America. And it's because it's okay to talk about you wanting to work on your physical health, 
but it's not okay for you to talk about I need support my mental health. Thank you so much, my new friend. Thank you for having me. <laughs> of course. May I have one more hug? So I worked for a company that covered your mental health care 100%. Therapy was free, and they had a very open-door policy and communication for your mental illness. I had a major depressive disorder. I was an insomniac for a year. I was suicidal. All of my therapy was covered. My bosses were invested in my recovery. If I needed to leave work early because I hadn't slept in three days straight and I was going to faint, no problem. No marks against me. If I came into work straight from therapy, they'd be like, how are you feeling? Do you need to go to a certain area away from customers for a couple hours? Work away from everybody just to kind of gather yourself. They were very supportive, very open, and very loving towards mental illness. I think that companies should help their employees with mental health issues because mental health is just as important as physical health and um, seeing a therapist or a doctor for your mental health is just as important as going to the doctor when you have a cold. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey friends, so I'm super excited about my next guest. His name is Nicholas Pinnock. He's from the UK, born to Jamaican parents, and if you're from the UK, you know him because he starred in many hit series like Top Boy and Marcella. Now here in America, he stars in the new drama For Life on ABC, which is about a prison inmate who was unjustly incarcerated, which led him to become a lawyer. It's an amazing series. If you haven't seen it, you got to check it out. But beyond his amazing acting abilities, it's Nicholas's transparency about his personal challenges and triumphs that make him so exceptional. Everyone, I'm excited to start talking and growing with Nicholas Pinnock. Hey, my friend, how are you? Very well, thanks. How are you? I'm really good. So first of all, you know, we're both Jamaican. Big up Jamaica. You have some Jamaican accent in there still? Then no more. 
You know, it's funny. Every time I go to the UK and I hear someone with a British accent, they switch it up so quick to like the Patois accent. I'm like, y'all are dope to me. Like all of my family is in the UK. So, you know, big up and sending you love there. Oh, fantastic. No, I still speak Patois with my family on occasion. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that I really loved about your story is reading up on you how when you were a child, you were heavily involved in acting and dancing, which is obviously why you're so extremely talented now because you can tell this is a part of your being. But what I thought was very interesting is I read that you also said in your 30s you had a total breakdown. Can you take me back to that moment? I was 33 and within three years I had had quite a bit of trauma and that switched something within me. And I woke up one morning I felt like I was completely unplugged from the rest of the world and I had a breakdown. I literally went to a friend's house and we were talking and she asked me a question and I opened my mouth to speak and I started crying and I didn't stop crying. She drove me home and she got in touch with my uncle who doesn't live too far from me and he came and we sat down and I continued to cry for about three days. I was completely lost. I couldn't cry, then I couldn't stop crying, then I couldn't eat, then I couldn't stop eating. I couldn't talk, then I couldn't stop talking. I couldn't sleep, then I couldn't stop sleeping. I was bouncing all over the place. And I'd been suffering from PTSD from an event that happened many, many years before, which I won't discuss for reasons to do with lots of other people. Of course. And I had never dealt with it. And I think what happens is when you're a child and you're a teenager and They say, oh, it's his hormones. That's just what teenagers do. And they never equate it to depression. But I realized that I was depressed all during my teens. And then I get into adulthood. And I think in my, I remember a conversation with a friend in my mid-20s. I must have been about 23. And we were talking and I had said, I think there's something wrong and I think I need to speak to somebody. And that was it. I never went to speak to anybody, but I kind of could feel that something wasn't quite right. And the closer it came to my breakdown, the more that feeling came about. So when I got to 30, I could really feel the vibrations of an unrest coming my way. And it took three years for that to happen. It was a breakdown slash breakthrough because it was the worst and the best time of my life. It was a very traumatic experience but i am so grateful for it having happened because i am in the best place i've ever been in right now and it wouldn't have been for that moment i think something you just said which is very inspiring for people who could be in that dark space is it was a breakdown and a breakthrough because this is personally speaking as well being someone who was depressed and suicidal in their late 20s it was always seemed like this is it the days are not going to get any brighter than this but when you start to find that support and start to find the language to understand what you're going through you realize that you actually start to have breakthroughs through the pain through the hurt and that's where the growth happens as you know listen if mental health was taken as seriously and had the importance that physical health had we wouldn't be discussing mental health now Yeah, in the way that we're discussing it. We wouldn't be campaigning for it. We wouldn't be champions and advocates for it. We wouldn't be ambassadors for charities for it because when someone breaks a leg, there's probably 10 people out of 100 in a room that could keep them safe and well until 
the paramedics get there. If somebody has a mental episode and starts acting out, everybody backs off or they try and contain and become aggressive towards the person who's having an episode because we're not trained in knowing that actually that person's not in a right frame of mind. You know, you see on the internet these people that are acting out and they're running around naked in the streets and they're probably wielding a machete. We have to stop and think these people aren't mad. These people aren't crazy. These people are probably having a psychotic episode and need the right kind of understanding, care and approach to be able to get them to a place where they can calm down from that episode so it doesn't become dangerous but we get frightened because we don't see it but like i said if someone was to fall over and hit their head or break a leg or something you'd have a lot of people knowing what to do until people came to sort it out we need more of this kind of mental health first aid yeah to understand and know how to deal with things like this when they happen so where did you find the language and understanding knowing that a lot of people didn't have that. Where did you get the language to understand what was going on with you? After my breakdown, my aunt put me on her medical insurance and I got some psychotherapy for two and a half years. And my therapist, she basically saved my life because like you, I was suicidal. I had suicidal thoughts on a daily basis. I kept thinking of different ways as to how I could do this thing because you know, I have a balcony and I was thinking to jump off it pretty much every day because the image mm. of my body on the floor, dead, felt like peace to me. So she saved my life because she gave me tools to work out how I could understand what it was that I was thinking, accept what it was that I was thinking, realize that what I'm thinking under the circumstances and situations that I had been under were normal and that there was nothing wrong with me. And with the right care, help and attention that it would pass. Therapy was by no means easy at all. But and I just thought, I have to keep doing this. Mm. So now after two and a half years worth of psychotherapy, it took me another four years to work out how I could use all of those tools to manage my life. And then it took me more years to actually start putting that into practice and managing my life through it. So I got to a point where I was like, okay, this is good. Yeah, I now know how to manage my life to get myself to a point where I feel comfortable with me and I feel easy with me. And the dark days that came didn't become a problem. So I would wake up and I would have a dark day and I would have no rhyme or reason as to why that would happen. And I would lament and I would cry and I would be angry with myself and angry at the world and angry at everybody else around me because I was depressed and I was, you know, struggling. And why is this happening to me? And why is this happening to me? And it was a horrible event every single time. It would be a trauma. But then I got to a place where I would wake up, have a dark day and go, okay, you're not feeling well today. You want to stay in bed? Fine. We're not going to be angry that want to stay in bed. We're not going to be upset with anybody in the world and yourself. Then you're going to stay in bed because I had to learn to embrace the negative thoughts and feelings as much as I embraced the positive thoughts and feelings. So what would happen is I would stay in bed for a while. Then I would go and I would literally talk to my dark feelings and go, okay, how are we feeling now? Do you think we can go for a walk? Do you think we can go to the gym for maybe an hour? And I go, okay, cool. So we'd go for a walk, we'd get to the gym and if I didn't complete a set in the gym or I didn't complete my full workout again, 
I wouldn't have a meltdown. But before I would kind of go, you know, why can't I finish? And I would make myself ill. But then I would go, okay, you ready to go? Because you're not feeling it? Okay, let's go home. Let's go and sit and watch some TV. Then I sit and watch some TV. And then it was literally, I just had to learn to embrace it. And once I learned to embrace the dark side as much as the lightness in me, it leveled out completely. Now, this is all done also without any medication. So I focused on exercise, nutrition, and through talking to people because I was so ashamed of my depression because I thought people would think that I was mad or think that I was crazy. And I think mainly because of acting as a child, you were kind of separated and you were other than everybody else. And I always felt other. Even now, to a degree, I feel like a bit of a loner and I do feel other in a lot of ways. And so I thought, you know, if I had told people about how I was feeling and my depression and all this kinds of stuff. Um, because I remember one time I was speaking to a friend and I could see the look on her face and the fear that came about because I was speaking my truth and it frightened me so much that it made me stop saying it. But then I started to write poetry. I started to write my feelings down. And I found that so helpful. It was unbelievable. But then when I presented it to people and people started looking at it, they were going, oh my God, this is really beautiful. Oh, this is quite deep. I like it. It's telling me something. And immediately I was no longer mad. I was no longer crazy in their eyes. I was expressing my feelings in a good way. But then I stopped becoming ashamed of how I felt and really embracing. Actually, if you think that about me, that's on you. That's not on me. Yes, yes. So I started to own it and take ownership of it and not feel responsible for how everybody else was going to react for it, which was a massive breakthrough for me. What I love in this story is the patience you had with yourself. There is something about being patient with yourself through healing and growth that a lot of people don't know how to have because we become our worst critics. And especially when you're in a dark space, you know, you can immediately always find more focus on the things that you're not doing, quote unquote. I love how you said I had a conversation with the dark feelings and said, okay, hey, can we go with a walk today? And you tried a little bit because it's the little bits that for me personally, and I, I relate to you so much, which is what got me through. It wasn't a today I'm sad and in a dark space. The next day I was in a great space. It was a constant of, okay, I've asked for a little bit of help. I've gotten some support here. I'm learning a tool here. Yes. Can I get up today? Yes, I can. Can I not? Mm, I'm not too much with it. And I'm going to be patient with myself and I'm not going to beat myself up because today I don't have the strength. Exactly. I think that's really amazing. What I find is that people seem to think that because you're depressed as well, that you can't have light moments within your episode of depression. So I would be out, you know, a friend's birthday or something, either on that night or the next day, people go, oh my God, it was really good to see you. And I'll say, so how are you doing? I say, well, I'm not really well. Oh, you seemed fine last night. I said, yeah. And then I'd point to my head and say, I'm mentally, I'm ill. I'm not very well. Oh, but you seem to be having a good time. I said, but it's not as black and white as I'm in a bad mood. I can't do anything or go anywhere. I'm in a deep funk and a depression that I can't function in life. I can still function. I can still go out. I can still have a meal with friends, but I'm not as present as I normally would be. And mm. the anxiety of being around people is still high, but then I learn to manage it. And because I've learned to manage it, I can still have light moments, even within the dark. Yeah. If you look at a battery, at one end there's a plus, and at another end there's a minus. 
And that battery needs a positive and a negative charge for it to work at its maximum. And it's the same thing with us. We need the darkness to understand the light. We need the lightness to override sometimes the darkness. And if we don't embrace and accept the balance of the positives and the negatives within us, we can't work to our full maximum potential. That is powerful. Because we don't have a full understanding of who we are if we only denounce and reject the negative thoughts and the negative feelings and negative emotions within ourselves and only look at ourselves in a good light, in a good way. No, we have to go, okay, yes, sometimes I can be needy. Sometimes I can be a little bit of a narcissist. Sometimes we can be all of these things in small moments. They're not things that will define my characteristics, but we have all of these things within us and we have to embrace them. Sometimes it's okay to be a bit needy. It's okay to be selfish. As long as those things are not having a negative impact on everybody else and you are in control of it and you are aware of it and you are in tune with all of these things, then you have to sometimes let them be and not give yourself so much of a hard time because there's going to be a lot of people in your life that will point the finger at you and be negative towards you. Don't be one of them. Mm, that's it. That is it. Do you believe that, and not just in Hollywood, but companies, period, should be offering more mental health support? Like that should be their responsibility? Absolutely, positively think that is a thing. Um, I think there should be something special for actors, though, and performers per se, purely because when you're acting, your subconscious has no idea that those things are not real. The emotions that you're portraying as a character are not real. So when you're pretending to cry, you release the same chemicals as if you were really crying. If you are angry, if you've got a scene which is heightened with anger, you release all the same chemicals. So what happens is you're releasing these chemicals that don't actually belong to you, but they belong to your character. But we're the vessel, so we're carrying them. Once the takes are done or you've left the theater that evening, you're still on a come down from a lot of those chemical reactions that you're feeling. So sometimes you'll take those home and you'll bring the character home with you or mm-hmm. you will act out on those things. I believe strongly that that's one of the main reasons why a lot of people in our industry end up in rehab because they are trying to deal with a lot of these thoughts and feelings and chemical reactions that don't belong to them, but they don't realize that actually it's the tail end of the characters they've been playing for so long or the emotions that they've been through at work for the whole day. Yeah. And I think if we understood this more, then we would be able to manage it better. So there does definitely need to be some specific care for performers. I mean, there's been three times I've been in situations throughout my career where I have cried for my character but then cried for real as me. Mm. And what I needed at that point, which was never available, was somebody on hand to give me an hour's worth of therapy to just recover from that moment. During For Life, we were filming the pilot and we were at the end of the third week of a four-week shooting schedule. And we were in a prison. And there was one scene where my character, Aaron, comes and he trashes his cell because of the frustration of having his case blocked again and the system turning against him again and him being 
blocked from seeing his daughter and his wife again. And all of these frustrations got to him. So he comes and he trashes his cell. And I said to them beforehand, I said, okay, I'm going to give it everything so you get two takes. Make sure you're ready for just two takes because we can't do any more than that because I'm going to be spent. Yeah. End of the second take, I was sat on the floor hyperventilating. I managed to get up. The showrunner, Hank Steinberg, he had his hand on my shoulder the whole time throughout this story. So I get up, I walk out the cell. Hank is still with me. My legs go from underneath me and I collapse on the floor. I sit there and I'm hyperventilating for about 15 minutes. Wow. Out of nowhere, I start crying my eyes out for 25 minutes straight. The whole production had to go to lunch and they just left me there alone. Hank, and George Tillman, the director, were with me the whole time. Now, what happened was the frustration that I felt for my character, Aaron, was coming out. But then it tapped into some of my own stuff. And I was a mess. And that was me really crying for a lot of things that I probably haven't cried for or that were trapped in there and were kind of loosened by the emotions that I was feeling for my character. There was nobody on hand. There was nobody around. And I'm so thankful that Hank and George stayed with me and they kept their hands on me just as sort of like a presence there to say, I'm here. I can't do anything, but I'm just here to support you. Then I went and crawled into one of the cells and fell asleep for an hour. Wow. And then I still had to go back and work. And I think that happens to a lot of actors. And that's one of three occasions that have happened to me where my character's emotions have taken over and tapped into my own and then I have an actual episode. And therapy on set would be a great thing because we're dealing with sometimes a lot of really traumatic things that the characters are going through. And if you think about it, if the audience in a theatre or on television at home when you're watching television is moved so much to tears or to anger or to any sort of reaction, what do you think the actor goes through to be able to give that to them? That is true. It's hard. It's poetic and so clear the way that you've expressed it because it shows the need for support. Yes, exactly that. From companies and why it's so important that they give it to us. But listen, thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you for being so honest and transparent. Oh, thanks for having me on. And I appreciate you so much, my friend. Likewise. Take care now. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Bye now. I absolutely think companies should be required to help employees with mental health, especially in today's day and age. Evolution happens, things change, um, you know, policies need to change. Absolutely, yes. Mental health care should be provided by your employer just for the fact that, I mean, mental health is a root cause of a lot of societal problems. And I mean, one of the big ones is, you know, gun violence. And I think. If you're an established employee, you should have that right. And especially if you have health benefits, that mental health should be a part of it. It'll, it'll enable you to keep, you know, to keep working at that company and, and to thrive and at the same time heal your anxieties or whatever mental health issues you're having. So yeah, I do think that companies should provide that. I want to thank Nicholas for sharing his truth. Often we don't hear men or men of color discussing their mental health journeys. So this was really powerful for me. I want to thank Emily for sharing her story. And thanks to everyone who called in. What I know to be true is that at some point we all face a mental health challenge that can hinder the way we live our lives. 
Whether it's a mood disorder, anxiety, trauma-related stress, or depression, it's happening to all of us. And I believe that companies should support their employees by providing mental health services. At the end of the day, healthy employees means more productivity. So it's really a win-win situation for everyone. Friends, as always, thank you for listening and growing with me. Make sure to hit me up on Instagram and Twitter at Karamo to let me know your feelings about today's episode. Until next time, take care of yourself and each other. Karamo, a podcast, is an entertainment show. For advice or support on any emotional or mental challenges, please contact a licensed professional in your town. This show was produced by Karamo, Nick Pinella of Workhouse Media, and assisted by Ellie Charles. All music composed by Ernie Wooden and the Big Woozy Band, and all episodes are edited by Nathan Moody. Thank you for listening and growing with us. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.